Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. We are so excited today to have Kevin Ballister. This is an amazing story. Six years ago, Kevin sustained a severe traumatic brain injury that left him comatose with less than 10% chance of regaining consciousness beyond a vegetative state, and obviously, he's a guest today. So since waking, he has devoted years to researching and connecting with doctors, professors, nutritionists, practitioners, and neuroscientists to try to get together the nutritional tools uh, that he has learned through this journey. And he put those down in an amazing book called How to Feed a Brain, which is the culmination of that you know, many years of resources and personal experience, and really a resource to help anyone improve their brain function. So we're going to get into this. Welcome to the show and welcome back. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. It was, it, was, it was a journey, you know, it was a journey. I know you've repeated this. Tell us about it, because we are going to want to know how the hell and what happened to you. This is really amazing. We're talking right now. All right. Well, six and a half years ago, I I fell from a rooftop water tower, sustained a severe traumatic brain injury, was instantly unconscious, rushed to the hospital, put on life support. While I was in a coma, I was diagnosed with a diffuse axonal injury, a severe diffuse axonal injury. And if you go on Google and type in diffuse axonal injury, you're going to get source after source that says 90% of patients with this type of injury never regain consciousness. And of the 10% that do, most are either severely impaired or in a vegetative state. So I am very fortunate to be here. Um, it wasn't like I just woke up and was like, all right, I'm good to go, though. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming there was a little bit of transition. Mm-hmm. Tell us, before we get into sort of the road to recovery, how long were you um, in, in a coma for? So I, I was actually in two comas. So the first one lasted 12 days. And then I woke up for about a week, maybe it was two weeks, and then I developed breathing problems, and I was put into an induced coma for another week. And I have no memory of in between those two comas, but I see videos, and uh, and it's interesting seeing these videos and being like, who is that guy? What a literally out of body that just wasn't the you that you are right it was a different you so i was going to ask that question you know which obviously you must get a lot because you clarified it which is yeah what were you thinking in between like the second first and second one so what happened after like what would you remember what's your first memory of you know coming out so my first memory is actually i woke up you know in a white walled room um there was a man and a woman in front of me who i um I recognized as being caring and warm, Um, and one of them, the the female, was like, Kevin, it's your mother. You're okay. And I was like, and I I looked at her, and I 
it was like, I feel warmth. Like I don't, it's not like I knew it was my mother right away, but she told me she was. And I'm like, that agrees with how I feel about you. So you're probably my mom. <laughs> well, and you understood the concept of mother clearly. Right. Yeah. And so there's different kinds of memory here. We have episodic, semantic, um, innate, and, um, and some of them were, were, functioning fine and some of them weren't like episodic was gone i i i did not have episodic memory or memories of of uh events you know so it was it was like i i was i was needing to piece things together and i didn't realize i was doing this but that was like a strategy that i was using like how i felt about something matched what i was told i was like all right that's probably true um my father was also there, but I didn't know he was my father. Um, and I, I completely felt warmth and care from him. But um, at, at one point, I looked at my mom and I was like, Mom, where's my father? Mm. And, uh, and then and she, she, her, her mouth was, was agape and she was just like, he's right here. And I looked over at, at my dad, who, and I just saw the pain that my spotted memory um, inflicted, and it it was it was rough. It was hard for him, and it was hard for me. And uh, and yeah, rough go. But at that point, you know, I couldn't eat, walk, or talk. I mean, I could talk at that point, but then I developed breathing problems again. And I was given a tracheostomy where I was no longer able to talk. And so that was, that was, you know, the beginning of a long road of recovery. I can only imagine some of the thoughts running through your head other than probably some fear, but mm -hmm. were you, did you, do you remember and recall, were you determined, were you defeatist, were you, you know, what, I'm sure there was a whole range of emotions and feelings you went through what are you cognizant of like you know the aftermath of that like understand when you first understood what had happened to you you know uh ebbs and flows there were there were hard days there were good days and um you know what i'm what i'm often asked is what what pulled me through that situation of like such loss of you know of abilities identity like my life was over as i knew it you know and um really the 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 biggest the biggest thing that kept me going was finding purpose and that purpose wasn't within me at first but it was within the people who were there for me and um i work with 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 clients um, and the, the greatest predictor of a successful outcome is, is community support and the, uh, the, the support system that they have set up. I can only imagine the stages of the physical and mental, right? And so take us through what we're, because mm. obviously you were looking to figure this out. Right. And so clearly uh, there had to have been a level where you had the wherewithal, I guess, to mentally then handle research and things like that. But what were some of the um, 
you know, being sort of incapacitated, what were the first resurgences of, you know, physical movement or what were, you know, in what stages did it go? Was it like, oh, I, I could start to move my arms and then, you know, how did that progress? Mm-hmm. If you could take us through sort of a visual of, of what happened there. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I was, I was very determined. Um, I, I've always kind of had that personality trait. Um, and again, finding purpose in the people that were there for me. I mean, I had, I had friends in my hospital room every day playing cards with me, despite the fact that I, like, I, I couldn't talk, but we were playing cards together and it was just so powerful. I was like, there are people that, that care. So that really pushed the determination, uh, piece for me and moving forward. And so I worked at everything, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy. I, I worked really hard. You know, my, I was uh, at this point, I didn't eat, walk or talk. Um, I was breathing through a tube in my neck. I was receiving nutrition through a tube in my belly and my left hand was totally flexed inward. So I was regaining my ability to use my left hand I had also broken, um, I had broken my, uh, right ilium. I had fractured my right, right ilium and my right sacrum. Um, so I, uh, I had broken hip bones and I was not cleared to put any weight on my legs for quite some time. And so that, that limited how much therapy I could do, but essentially I was working at everything, um, all my therapists will tell you, I was like, give me homework. What can I do um, on my own? How can I accelerate this as best I can? When did sort of personal biohacking come into play? You know, because clearly you had experts around you that, you know, you're, you're probably soaking up everything, right? Like, give me whatever you have. But then at what point and what were some of the first forays into your own personal experimentation, whether that be with nutrition or something else? That is an excellent question. I appreciate that. So I, um, I was steered towards a nutritional protocol around 10 months post-injury. Uh, essentially, my, my aunt was getting into functional medicine, and she asked one of her colleagues who would – she, she told her colleague that her, her nephew had a severe traumatic brain injury. She was like, who should I take him to? And her colleague was like, I know exactly who I would take him to. But he lives in Austin. Little did she know, I was moving to Austin. So <laughs> Perfect. It was great. So like stars aligned. It was beautiful, you know. And uh, I mean, I could talk about stars. Stars have been aligning ever since. It's crazy. But um. So I get to Austin, I, um, I meet up with this functional neurologist who, um, who does a blood test on me and he, he gives, he shows me the results. He's like, you have low, um, low protein levels, certain amino acids are low. And I'm like, doc, I eat meat with every meal. I have a protein shake every morning. What are you saying? Eat more protein? And he's like, no, no, no. You're not absorbing the nutrition you're eating. And um, he put me on a leaky gut protocol. 
So I, I mean, I could go into leaky gut. I'm sure you've had guests who are who talk about that. Sure, but you could gloss over maybe a little bit of the protocol yeah, sure. or some of the nuances of what that means. Yeah. So essentially, essentially, it's like you said, like I was not absorbing the nutrient nutrition I was eating because uh, my my intestinal lining was was permeable, meaning that whole food particles would cross into the bloodstream undigested, usually in the, in the, you know, small intestines, uh, nutrients are broken down in, or food is broken down into nutrients like amino acids, fatty acids, glucose, vitamins, minerals, and it crosses into the blood as those individual nutrients with leaky gut or intestinal permeability um, they cross over before they're fully digested and your blood acts the way it would act if there was something foreign in the bloodstream. Right. It's it, like dumping garbage in your bloodstream. It's not yeah. something we want to do. And just to highlight a little thing of that, and you know, this leads into, you know, we don't have to get into this specifically right now, but just, you know, for the audience, grains and how they can cause intestinal permeability, particularly some of them that are, I think wheat, barley, and rye are the main three brutal, no doubt, no question contenders. So, so again, you're following this protocol to, um, back to you, your leaky gut. So, so I'm following this protocol, healing my digestion, and all of a sudden I begin to regain clarity. I begin to like recognize that like, holy shit, I've been in a fog for a while. Like since my injury, I've been in a brain fog. So, so like I say, you can't tell that you're in a brain fog when you're in a brain fog because you're in a brain fog, right? Hey man, I've been there. That's like one of the biggest signs of hypothyroidism and it doesn't dawn on you until either you're out of it or to where you really realize other people aren't feeling that way. But yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you get, you'd be so used to it. I guess you were just, it was par for the course you thought. Yeah, it's it's so crazy because I had a severe traumatic brain injury and I was like, I'm fine. You know, it's just um, and then I saw that like, whoa, I'm not fine, but this is working. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Nutrition was not on my radar before, but it is now, you know. So I dive into study with that newfound clarity and I began to research everything I can about why it's working. You know, so I'm researching leaky gut and learning about what's happening with my digestion. And like now that I've healed my digestion, I'm actually getting the nutrients to my brain. Cool. Now, what are the best nutrients for my brain? How do I supply my brain with exactly what my brain is craving? And so that's that's where um, where the research for what would become how to feed a brain, you know, much like much like uh, your book, I'm, I I wrote the book that I wish I had, you know. I, I wrote the book that I wish was available to me. I was like, what's what's what are the what's the nutrients that are gonna give my my brain cells exactly what they need to function optimally? And um I I I looked around, I, I asked the smartest human I know, and he was like, eh, I can't steer you towards one. I was like, 
you should write that. He's like, nah, you should write that. And so that's what, that's what how to feed a brain is. And what did you discover? about i mean obviously you're not going to read the whole book to us, but, <laughs> but but no i mean what what but was i wrote a whole book, a whole book. <laughs> what was the paradigm essentially for you what what was that you found that just excited you that when you adopted that and stuck with that you were like okay my brain is lit up now well first the 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 ligia protocol helped enormously um and then realizing that what i was adopting was very much within the paleo framework and so okay paleo makes a lot of sense um and so going going within the paleo framework and um i mean paleo you can do junk food paleo if you want you know <laughs> right right paleo granola all day long i know I know. And and I'm guilty of that. Like it hurts. It sucks. And go to like <laughs> paleo effects or whatever conferences where they have all these samples Animals. and you go home with this bag of paleo junk food. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I was actually, uh, presenting at KetoCon last year and, and they, they asked me what it what was, the, what's the hardest thing. And I'm like, paleo junk food. That's what it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's not about like, like, like going beyond paleo into what exactly contains the nutrients and what is going to supply my brain with what we need. So like dark leafy greens, for example, super important. And I want to make sure I get a lot of those every day. Um, you know, what are your favorites for that? Favorite? Ooh, man. You know, I've been digging mustard greens recently, and they're, Ooh, they're very good for your liver, I believe. Yeah, they're really spicy, um, and they they uh, they also have um, sulfur in them, sulfur-containing compounds, which is awesome for your vasculature, um, and you have a whole lot of vasculature in your brain, you know, like all sorts of microtubules and and whatnot um and so so supporting that is huge and and mustard greens kind of cover both both worlds on that right so that's awesome um adequate protein definitely important and complete proteins uh dha is fantastic epa and dha which um which are very hard to get in a vegan diet, you know? Mm-hmm. So there, there are algae-based um, supplements that have DHA, but uh, they're not very uh, cost-effective. <laughs> but it is doable. So I, I do encourage if if you are going the vegan route, supplement with with uh, algae-based um, omega threes because flax and, uh, and other vegan sources of omega threes are actually, um, alpha linoleic acid, ALA, which converts to DHA apparently, but the conversion is like 0.2 to 0.4% in healthy individuals. So it's not an optimal way to do that. No, you'd have to drink gallons. It's yeah. Yeah. Good luck there. 
<laughs> well, it's the same thing with like marine collagen, right? It's just so difficult. You have to have so much to. It's this. It's a different level of density there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I mean we can go more on the diet as well, but I also want to just ask you this question, which is, what was or do you remember? I'm assuming you do because your your brain was probably lit up at this point, but. And and I'm sure there's parts of you that are still getting better and better. But what was that day for you? Because there's always a day there when you feel like, oh, my God, thank God I'm here right now. Like, and you know, like, Mm. what was that day? Was the day that you could finally walk? Was it, you know, I mean, do you recall such a moment? I don't know if I do. I mean, the day, actually, yes. And that would be the day when, um, when after being on an elimination diet and in the leaky gut protocol and taking certain um, gut healing nutrients, that it just lit up, and um, and I'm still getting better, you know. So that was that was the first thing that was getting the supplies to the brain. So an analogy I I, I use I say I say. Many connections in my brain have been damaged, and I think of rebuilding those connections like building a bridge. What do you need to build a bridge? You need supplies, and you need skilled workers. The supplies would be the nutrition, the brain-building nutrition, the right kind of nutrition, and then also getting that nutrition to the job site, so having your digestion working so that you're actually delivering those nutrients. And then the skilled workers would be the therapy, the targeted therapy, the right kind of therapy, the skilled workers, and doing the work, you know, you need to put in the work. So it was exhausting recovering, you know, it was a lot of work, but I, I told myself, I'm not going to look back at this relatively short period of rapid recovery, because that's a big thing in that, that we're told as brain injury survivors is that there's a window of rapid recovery and once you pass that like game over dude (laughs) you're you're stuck with what you got and that's not at all the case yeah i'm not buying that at all sorry no no good don't buy that it's it's a bad deal yeah (laughs) it's a bad deal and it's bullshit (laughs) so i also want to throw this out to you i mean what in the way of mind of the mind body you gotta Mm. there's there's a part of rebuilding one's body what what was your engagement in that, whether that be intention? Did you do meditations? Did you do try to build your body through your brain? I mean, I know a famous author, Joe Dispenza on the brain, who, mm-hmm. you know, reworked his entire body and avoided even like a spinal surgery just because he, you know, when he would get tripped up, he would start over. And he was able to do that because he had knowledge of the body and the systems, you know. But uh, what what kind of mind element was, was part of your recovery and still is? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. You know, when it comes to mind and mindset, and again, like what we're talking about with, uh, with the bridge analogy and skilled workers and supplies, well, we need to have our mindset in the right space, which I, which I kind of group into the skilled workers because if they don't want to do it, if they're not motivated, if um it's not happening you know so yes i i meditate every morning and i hold in my in my mind every day how appreciative of I, I am a to be alive 
and B for everybody that that makes that possible and that enriches my life every day, you know. And being in a place of appreciation, boy, does that beat the hell out of, out of being bitter and <laughs> jaded and angry. I mean, that's that's straight. Well, and tell us how. Tell us the benefits that you feel gratitude and this level of dedication to that, because it is one, mm-hmm. how that has benefited you. Well, we, we have a choice over what our perception is, um, over... You know, thought is so interesting. I, 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 I teach a course on the power of thought, and thought is so important. And um, our thoughts don't define us either. So keep that in mind with everything. Like whatever we're thinking, it's it's just things we're thinking. What we have control over, if we learn to harness the control over our attention, that's that's so powerful. And that's what meditation is all about. It's all about harnessing the power of your attention and control over what you pay attention to. So um, can, can I give you another analogy here? Oh, please. So this is an analogy I use to describe neuroscience. I, I say, imagine your brain as your garden. You have 86 billion plants in your garden, 86 billion neurons in your brain. Your thoughts are like the seeds, and your attention is the sunlight and water. And ask any neuroscientist, neurobiologist, neurologist, anybody who understands brain plasticity, what we give our attention to those neurons grow, those axons grow, those plants grow. And if we can put our attention towards the flowers that we want to grow, those blossom. And we all have weeds in our garden, right? We all have, uh, we all have bad habits. We all have um, disruptive thoughts. We all have things that, that, Thoughts that aren't conducive to us accomplishing our missions. And, um, and unfortunately, we can't really pull the weeds. But we can put our attention towards the flowers we want to grow. And after a while, those roots take over the weeds. And we can grow a beautiful garden that way. I'm not saying like lock up, like don't pay attention to the way it's thrown, like don't even look at those. Like, no, no, no. Take take inventory, be like, yep, those are there. But they don't need to be be at the forefront of your mind, like what you pay so much attention to, you know? We don't we don't um change and we don't change something by destroying the old. We change things by creating the new. And eventually, attention shifts from the old to the new. And that's how we grow a beautiful garden. That's amazing. Honestly, that's just, uh, wow, really well said. And <clears throat> it's so true. Um, and also the power of our minds. I mean, 
how wonderful it is that you have it back in order to use it to heal too, right? <laughs> Versus just having outside influences and being in a coma and not having that mm-hmm. one ability as well to contribute to healing. I'm glad you said contribute because that's what that's what brought my <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'm appreciative of my injury. I'm I'm super appreciative of it. That was going to be my next question, actually. I was going to say, you know how people go, oh, you know, like anyone would say, wow, that's the worst thing that could happen. To you. <laughs> um, but I have a feeling you don't feel that way. And and so I'd love to hear why you don't, if you don't. Well, all right. So thinking thinking of, you know, what is what is the meaning of life? Well, the meaning of life to me is to positively influence the lives that the lives around me and essentially, and, and I, I mean, this was, this held true before my injury up to, you know, up and, and still holds true. Now my injury sucked for sure. It was really hard. It was really painful, but, um, but the influence on the positive influence that I can have on other lives. First of all, I can reach so many more lives now. And my influence is so much greater now. And I am so appreciative of that fact. Yeah, I mean, one of my little notes here I put down before we spoke was sort of like, because I feel this way too a little bit in terms of uh, maybe the wrong choice of the first word here, but thrust into advocacy. Like I certainly didn't plan on getting a horrific situation in my, whatever my case was to then be an advocate for it. Right. That wasn't, you know, you didn't intend on like that was not your plan before you fell. Right. But you know, it's an interesting thing because there are moments still sometimes where I'm like, huh, that's just like objectively, I'm kind of like, well, that's interesting. Why was I the person that was chosen to be one of the people, you know, or it chose me, whatever you want. I mean, I'm not saying there's even a grand design to it. It's just, but you know what I'm saying, right? It is because you, once you become that, especially from a health problem and you see the effect and it does make a lot of the trials and tribulations through it worth it when you realize how many people you can help. But it is also a trip, isn't it? It's just kind of a trip to be like, I didn't think I'd, I didn't think I'd be here. You know, I'm so glad I am. But like, I just, it's, it's a weird thing sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like asking the question of like, why me? Like, <laughs> right. it's kind of irrelevant. Who cares? Right. It's like, here it is. This is this it is what, this is the cards you've been dealt. Like if if a dealer deals you some cards, do you like like and deals you a shitty hand? Do you look at it and go, why? <laughs> right? Like, no, you take the cards and you play them as best you can, right? Um, and I'm I'm not even much of a gambler, but I played. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're doing you're doing great so far at this at this bet you've made. This <laughs> so, so far, so yeah. far the the the. The odds are in my favor, apparently. Yeah. And the uh, shitty hand turned out to be kind of hand of great cards. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I'd love to hear of some of the the lives you have affected, because I know <laughs> you've heard from parents and people 
um, who've been in your similar situation. Um, mm-hmm. If you, without obviously, you know, anonymity, etc. Of course. I would love you to maybe share with us a couple of the ones that really hit home for you. So some of the some of the um, most rewarding experiences that I've had working with clients is working with clients who have a loved one in a uh, in I've had clients who have a loved one in a coma and while they're in a coma they find me and we begin um, working together and and that and they're like is is now a good time and I'm like now is the perfect time because there's so much we can do right away that is not being done in the standard model of care Um, there is so much out there that that you know the research doesn't doesn't hit practice for years right and it's really and i mean now we have the internet which is accelerating things but we're still in this model where it's like the research is there and then several years pass and then it enters the textbooks which go into the classroom and then the classroom teaches the physicians right and it's like it's 40 uh, years out from now man <laughs> yeah. yeah well also too like the low carb menu in hospitals are like all 100 yeah. grams of carbohydrate like they're, they're feeding you just sugar and shit anyway in the hospital right. so it's like I, I also understand that point of no it's not too early to start when mm-hmm. you've got even someone who hasn't woken up yet i hear you on starting because there's a level of what you can put in their body and certain things you can do there mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And again, as you said, like you can you can help people at any stage, right? Like there's like this idea of the window of rapid recovery. Like there, we do have enhanced neuroplasticity directly after an injury, um, directly after any trauma. However, uh, we we can actually do things to enhance plasticity as well. Um, so, so this one client that, um, that I was working with was in a coma and I watched, um, I, I was able to get them to start putting high dose fish oils into her feed and then watched her wake up, watched her wave at the camera when asked, watched her learn how to sit upright and and regain some of her strength i watched her take her first steps and i eventually heard her say thank you oh my god i just want to cry right now that's amazing it's very very powerful yeah so um I have heard that about the high doses official even jj mm-hmm. virgin right um yes yes we recently son. yeah um, I was recently on JJ's podcast, and when we're going to have her on on ours soon as well, um, she's she's phenomenal. That's really amazing. Um, that's a wonderful story. I love that you were um, had that level of intimacy with uh, family members in order for them to be able to share some of those moments with you, because I'm sure it also was just as not just watching, of course, this transition take place in their child but being able to share it with you too yeah and that's the thing i mean um sur- loved ones of a brain injury survivor are survivors 
I mean, they're going through yeah. a traumatic experience. They're 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 in danger of losing their loved ones. Like like that's traumatic, very traumatic, you know. And and that's that's who I work with most is um, is working with them. Like number one, take care of yourself. You know, you know you're you're no good to anybody if you're if you're sacrificing yourself. And so that's, that's a huge aspect of it. But I, I also work with, um, with clients who, who aren't in that stage as well. Um, but admittedly, the most rewarding is people that are in that stage because I see amazing things happen. And would you say, I mean, obviously, aside from some of the specifics, are you then, um, I guess we didn't get into the super details of it, but are you mostly in a, in a keto kind of state? Is that be what's best for you or do you fluctuate? Like what works for you right now? Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked that. Um, because, you know, I've been speaking on, on different, uh, ketogenic, um, you know, summits and conventions and podcasts and whatnot. And the, the, the feed a brain protocol is not necessarily ketogenic, but it definitely makes room for ketogenic. Um, and I, I love that you brought this up because, because it's like ketogenic is shown to be very, very um, useful towards brain recovery and, and um, you know, brain metabolism in general. But it's not for everybody, you know. And you know this for sure. My my personal is I kind of bounce in and out. You know, most of the time I'll like and really I decide what I'm doing. I don't like schedule it out. I eat what I feel like eating. You know, and that's kind of I get to I get I got to a point where where my where I could trust my cravings. I could trust. Um, how I was feeling about things. And when I work with clients, it's like, no, you cannot trust your cravings right now. You're craving donuts? Yeah, no. <laughs> right. That's not for true. Yeah, you definitely know you're not on the right course, and your gut certainly is jacked up if you're craving donuts. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, no, I hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're still a proponent of, you know, you know, obviously get getting higher fat probably. Yeah. And yeah, I like the flow of in and out. And like you said, keto might be useful for a time too, a window for people to get to a certain point. And then you can kind of get a little bit more glucose in and fluctuate a little bit more. You know, there are times maybe for stricter or not. So, uh, well with cancer or traumatic brain injury, whatever. And I'm sure you got to a point too, where, you know, you could, again, you got more intuitive and you could fluctuate and it, it doesn't have to be a rigid thing. And, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show, but just, you know, getting away from tracking macros and getting too crazy about it because, you know, you can only, it's just, you gotta, you can start off that way cause you gotta learn what's what and whatever. But at the end of the day, man, just sometimes you can just eat a salad by itself. You don't need to throw chicken on that fucker. You, you, know, you, can, just, <laughs> you know, you can just have like a, a carb by itself. It's okay. Like, you know, so people are just too into like, am I combining the right things? Am I, you know, so I love that you talk about it being intuitive and trusting your cravings because when you do get to a healthy point in one's body where you've cleaned enough out and you've gone down this, you know, this road, this ancestral road, which is, you know, generally going to be lower carb than, half, you know, 90% of the population, 
you do become intuitive and you know like what you need. And I always say like, I kind of know when I need an apple, you know, and I know, I know when I need, you know, some fat. Um, so yeah, it's really, really interesting. I, I can only imagine, you know, but I would love to hear what are, what are you excited about right now in terms of what you've learned or what's going on with you personally? Like, I'm sure, like you said, you're getting better and better. So what are some things that are getting better? Or if you wouldn't mind sharing, you know, a couple of those avenues you're excited to to go down. Yeah. So I recently did a presentation and after I finished up, somebody was like, you know, I met you six months ago. And you have just like you've gotten and it was impressive then how far you'd come considering your injury. But it was like you were clearly neurologically affected. And today, like, wow, you know, so actually the process of writing the book again, it was it was writing a book that I wish I had. But in doing so, it really put into place all uh, everything I was talking about, just really, really exploring it and going into the research to the point of like, yep, this is, this is why I'm doing everything I'm doing. And it really stuck, you know, and that I think is a huge piece of like finding the why you're doing something is so important to like, you know, we call it patient compliance Forget yeah. that. Patient, I, use, I use that term. <laughs> patient understanding creates patient compliance because it's like I get it. I get why I want to do this. And right. then also I want to do it because I'm motivated to do it. Well, also like you know and with my book too, sometimes patient compliance hurts you because you're just, like you said, compliant and there's no understanding. Right. Someone mm-hmm. doesn't have an understanding of their disease, doesn't matter what it is, and they just take the insulin or they just take the thyroid pill or they just, right? You know, how, there has to be an understanding there and that is a mm-hmm. part on like what your journey is, is help really educating people beyond just trusting solely in doctors, having a, mm-hmm. you know, being their own advocate Um, and that's why it's important that patients and people who go through things like this and get on the other side of it, do write books and share that experience because, you know, yeah, okay. A doctor can explain a traumatic brain injury to me, but F you dude, you know, I'd really rather hear it from the guy that was like in it, you know, want to hear about Mm -hmm. what the guy, what he thinks about it because you went through it. So, um, we need both. Right. Uh, but, but very important. Amen. Sister. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I, I, I say there's doctors learn what they learn and my God, I'd be dead if it wasn't for emergency medicine, which just rocked and saved my life many times. And I mean, tracheoresection surgery that gave me my voice back, like they essentially slit my throat sawed through my trachea in two spots and sewed the two ends back together and like saved my life. Like that's amazing stuff, right? You're not going to No, gonna no, no amount that. of paleo eating is going right. to <laughs> get you there. Straight up. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. But you know, doctors are studying to be really good at what they do. They're not studying to survive they're not studying like their life depends on it they're studying to be good 
you know, and I, I appreciate that. But like when you're in this place, like, like, like you were, like I was where we're studying, like our life depends on it because it does. We do not leave a single stone unturned, right? There's, there's no way there's, that's not an option. We are exploring absolutely everything and finding a way to really get to, to come back in the greatest way. Perseverance really does pay um, at the end of the day on all of this stuff. Uh, no, it's just, it's such a, I also wonder too, you know, hear me out on this one, but okay. So yeah, you have a quote brain injury, which kind of says that, you know, people go, Oh, that means his brain's a little bit like damaged compared to art <laughs> less than it's below and beneath. But I would venture to say, <laughs> you'd have to kind of accept a self compliment here, but <laughs> I'd, I'd have to say that just my vibe would be, don't you think that you're smarter? <laughs> I, I, because it's like all that you've been through spiritually, this, the trials, the tribulations, what you've had to learn. I mean, is there some part of you that I feel like maybe it was a brain enhancement um, <laughs> situation? Is that too far? Or, but you know what I mean? You know, uh, I, I think it's so funny. Like like kids back growing up, uh, growing up, it used to be an insult. Like, what are you, brain damaged? Stuff like that, right? right totally, so, yes, totally. Actually, I am brain damaged. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. And I'm good. I'm good. And, uh, and th- this is not very PC at all, uh, but but uh, retarded. That that was also an insult, right? And <clears throat> retarded has different connotations and everything. But but the end uh, end is very not socially acceptable for for anybody that's like mentally slow, developly developmentally challenged. Um, however, like the the word retarded means lessened or um or let me let me see if i can it means the delay hold back in terms of progress development or accomplishment so i have damage to my um to my brain and there are physical aspects like on the left side of my body for example my cerebellum is damaged on the left which affects the left side of my body and so that hand is a little retarded you know, it's it's uh, delayed or held back or the communication between my brain and my left hand, for example. So <laughs> I think it's funny. I'm like, I'm like, yes, I'm brain damaged and retarded. How's it going? <laughs> Both t- wearing them like bad as a pride, people. <laughs> right. right. Absolutely. Well, it's just amazing to speak to someone who has such a positive, insightful way of looking at this experience and what an incredible role model and inspiration you are to so many people. I, I want to just, you know, I want to wrap my head around like how, what are the statistics here on like how many people have traumatic brain injuries in, mm. here in the world? Do we know, like, well, give, give me, give me a rundown on that. Cause I don't even know where to begin. You know, I, I have uh, looked at the facts. I, used to know them very well and forgot them. Uh, but like, yeah, 2.8 million TBI related emergency visits a year. Um, and I mean, that's, that, that was in 2013. 
we have lots of brain injury and those are just the reported ones, you know, the ones that make it right to the ER. Um, how many people have brain injuries, don't even know that they had a brain injury. Um, I mean, when we lose consciousness, definitely had a brain injury, you know, was called like, it was like, oh, it's just a concussion. Just a concussion is totally a brain injury, you know? Um, and then, and then the effects of that injury can, can vary significantly. You know, we have, a. You can have somebody who who bumps their head, say they're they're playing a sport, get get their bell rung, as they say, and um, may not even lose consciousness, but suddenly has serious problem with attention, um, can't handle loud noises or visual stimulation, and I mean it's so sad because so many people are like, "What the hell's wrong with me?" In that case. Right, because it's not an obvious situation, yeah. Right, and, and sometimes they're like, what happened? And, and like going through all the possibilities and finding, okay, you know what? I probably had a brain injury right there. Um, actually, um, Rob Wolf did a presentation uh, at Paleo FX a while ago about ketones and brain injury. And he he said that uh, that even something as seemingly um, benign as a roller coaster can inflict a traumatic brain injury. Oh damn! Be- <laughs> I know, right? Because your your head's getting sloshed around, like your brain is inside your skull, and if it's the coup contra coup, like like if your head's slapping around a lot, like you you can potentially inflict damage on your brain now um am i am i saying don't ride roller coasters <laughs> here's no. a photo of instagram with you on a roller coaster i'd be like damn he's crazy totally yeah yeah you'll see that you'll definitely <laughs> see that i promise you one of these days so uh, one of the, th- the the healthiest thing i believe the healthiest thing we can do for our brains bodies and souls is to enjoy our life yeah. and to do so sustainably and if that means riding a roller coaster, go ride a roller coaster. If that means playing football, play football. But do it smart. Protect your brain. And we can protect our brains with certain supplements, with high-dose omega-3s, for example. That's a great way to uh, make the brain resilient. So that's that's what I really advocate is brain resiliency. Mm-hmm. Not not I don't I don't need everybody to put their brain in a uh, in a glass case, you know, um, and and not let it see the light of day. Um, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life and and keep your brain healthy. And that's where feed a brain really really is. Uh, is all about resiliency, protection, function, and repair. Amazing. And your website, Adventures in Brain Injury, which, by the way, I think is hilarious. <laughs> I think that's yeah. awesome. It's like Adventures in Brain Injury. It's like, wait a minute, that's not supposed to be fun, positive, like an adventure. But <laughs> wait. <laughs> but I think everyone hearing you on the podcast today can see what a funny, positive uh, guy you are and you seem very happy well that was that was the uh the first website that was uh a, a blog i started writing um 
on the year anniversary of my first of of my brain injury, and it stemmed from from being in this really rough spot where I can't eat, walk, or talk, and being like, you know what, I'm on this ride either way. I can go on it kicking and screaming, or I can look at it like an adventure. And adventures suck sometimes, and then they get cool. <laughs> sometimes there's a couple snags on adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there better be. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not entertaining at all. There's not a um, adventure movie out there that doesn't have some snags on it. But uh, I, I recently launched feedabrain.com as well. Um, and and that's where 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 a good portion of my focus is going. Right. So feedabrain.com and then the book, How to Feed a Brain, we can get on your website and also Amazon. Is there other? Yes. You can get it on Amazon right now and, and yeah, and the website. And um, I, I also wanted to mention the Adventures in Brain Injury podcast. Yes, you have some interesting guests on there. Yeah, it's it's so fun. It's just I I love that I have the opportunity to interview the smartest and most inspirational people I've ever even heard of. I feel that way interviewing you right now. <laughs> I looked up your website. I'm like, oh my gosh! I am so excited and honored that I get to speak with this amazing human being. And you really, you really are. Um, I just I love I love your work and your story and your positivity and your humor. And I just know that there's so many people and what's great about these podcasts, your podcast and your book is that that will live far beyond you, you know, forever mm. and ever that will be there, you know, in the ether for people to, you know, you never know when you're going to affect somebody, right? Yeah. Not, well, I'm going to live forever. I'm not worried about it. Right. But even, you know, even if it's at year 200 and you quote, there still should be a podcast available. <laughs> so I'm going to be like digging into the archives. Um, no, thank you so much, Kevin. Just so enjoy talking with you. And um, of course, we will put all of the links to your social media, uh, your website, your book in the show notes. And is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with? If you go to my website, I have a guide to fats and oils. Um, and I mean, I have several freebies that you can grab, but Guide to Fats and Oils is really a useful handout that's part of the book as well, where um, where you can, you know, get a guide to like the fats and oils that are healthy, the ones that don't touch those, and then the the temperatures to cook them at, you know? Great. Um, because that's super important. Like we don't want our oils to oxidize. And if we, if we heat them up uh, above a certain temperature, they're going to oxidize. Yeah, some oils are not meant to be high heat. Others are, and it's better to know which ones. And you know what? They taste better sometimes. Like olive oil tastes better to me, not necessarily cooked or heated in any fashion. I'd like to totally. you know, pour it on something afterwards. I think it's even more, um, just more incredible. Uh, thank you so much again, and we look forward to seeing more of your work over time. Thank you. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Bootcamp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earthivore, will take you through this incredible 
whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made, delicious, paleo-approved meals for the entire week. PaleoCookingBootCamp.com. This is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the Bay Area. And now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen. Even if you're not a big foodie, even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes, just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month, and you will be dialed with your paleo meals. Just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items, dinner entrees, dessert treats even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing, and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out paleocookingbootcamp.com and enroll today. 